Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health, broken down in a relatable way, and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today I'm joined by the multi-talented Marta Pazan. Marta Pazan is an Italian actress, writer, and creator living in Los Angeles, California. She's appeared in commercials for brands like Samsung, Modelo, and American Express. This year, Marta stars in Zoe Saldana's new Netflix show, From Scratch, which is set to come out this fall. In addition to being on the big screen, Marta is a sought-after fashion and beauty creator, most recently partnering with Kenzo, Dior, Chappard, Bulgari, Estee Lauder, Fendi, and Marc Jacobs. One of her most recent endeavors include leading a TED Talk on the business of social media. She recently produced a short film, Next One, that she co-created, co-wrote, and starred in on female abuse in the industry that premiered on Alma Harrell's platform, Free the Network. How are you? I'm good. I'm slightly tired at the moment, but I'm really good. Good. Before we start, you were just telling me you're on your way to the Cannes Film Festival, which is really exciting. Yes, I am leaving on Friday and I'm going with a brand, um, Cavalli. We're doing a red carpet and like a little dinner and just being there is so fun because I feel like when people go there, you know, from either they're, you know, they live in L.A. or anywhere in Europe, when they're there, they're just in a very different mode of like, I'm nice. I'm going to meet people like it's so much better to meet people out there, even though you can meet them in L.A. just because they're their energy is so much brighter. I think I think yeah, it's the yeah, city like, or probably because people have had some drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like. Maybe it's better. just as simple as that. You're right. Because people well, like do, Europeans, yeah. like you drink at lunch. Maybe that's we what do. I should start doing. That's what, you know, I grew up like that. And I never care to even have wine for, for lunch. My parents would have wine at lunch. Yeah. They drink at lunch. You're right. They do drink at lunch. That's what you need to start doing. It's funny because I was thinking about, I was like, wait, what's my first question I want to ask her? And people always, I, I feel like you're the perfect example of someone who, when people, someone looks at you, they think, oh my gosh, this girl she's so cool. Like she has everything. She's going to the Cannes Film Festival with Cavalli. Like she's so beautiful. How could she be depressed? Which people say about me too. I just want everyone to know. Isn't that but you crazy? know, it's like people, I think people say, or they look at someone or they look at social media and they think like, how could they be sad? And it's all such a smoke show. So I just wanted you to speak about a little, like when someone says that, what is your reaction well I feel like it's so funny when people just think they know you by just looking at you or like from like you know but maybe we all do that a little bit just because when we see beauty we assume that that's something perfect and that doesn't have flaws or like it doesn't have like things that are not just what you see so it's really it's 
you know, it's interesting, but also understandable at the same time. After the pandemic, I started talking about mental health and my personal struggles a little bit more openly mm-hmm. because a brands were like hiring me to do so. They were like, we don't know anyone that can like, you know, talk about that stuff in a way that sounds like real and professional because, you know, girls that do what I do are so used to just show like the, the fancy side of things, which is like I go here or there and like I take photos and whatnot. But obviously that's not just it's this really tiny part of our life. And it's, I think that's when people start realizing that I'm also like a a person behind my Instagram photos. And it's really refreshing to know that now you're not expected to be this like perfect impeccable thing, but you can also be more open about your weaknesses or things that just, you know, make you like less perfect or. I mean, but that's really interesting. You said like, no one has ever said that where beauty, like people, when they see something beautiful or they see perfection, that there isn't pain there because there normally is. To me, the most beautiful people are maybe also the most troubled. Sometimes when, when you look at Angelina Jolie, you see the, you see the pain. Like I see, I see so many things, but if you just look like quickly, you just see, wow, like stunning face, eyes, whatever hair you don't think about. But I think if you take a deep, deeper look at people and things, you can always feel, you know, what's behind the the surface. I think a little bit, even just when you like think of a book or like the title, yes, you're drawn to like the, the way that the cover looks like, or like, you know, but I can always feel if a book is going to give me a lot or just like whatever. Like, I feel like if people really want to like take the time to think about what's behind you more, they can, they just don't, they choose not to. So I think it's people's uh, choice to just decide that's what you are. That's how I want to see you. And that's how I'm going to remember you. It's sad. Or some people don't even have like that sensitivity chip. Yeah, I guess uh, as well. I mean, not like you or I, but I think some people are just so out to lunch. Like they don't even... They don't even look around or they don't. Yeah, even, they're just yeah. like, anyway, back to me or. I think I see everything or I, I think I do. Maybe I could see it even more, but I see a lot. I think I'm hypersensitive and hyper aware. So I observe a lot and I think you learn so much from observing. So being super alert sometimes can be beneficial for just learning about people. And I think about yourself. Well, it can be beneficial, but also it's I think it's really hard to live in any world but in this world today when you are really sensitive you know and you it is have really I do I remember my he was a friend and he passed away from a accidental overdose oh, no. it was last year uh, Michael K Williams that the actor and he would always talk about that like getting chills like um how people don't know how hard it is when you feel everything like or you're so sensitive to people's just what's going on and it can be really difficult and I think like what you started by when when I asked you that question Pete because someone may not want to really like delve into that they dismiss it oh they're pretty or oh she's like the cool brunette Mm-hmm. And, oh, you're like the you know they want to label people to kind of put someone in a box. I guess maybe that's easier. To it digest, is. Right? But also think about it. If someone's not looking into their own pain, why would they think that other people have pain? It's what people want to see, and it's how much they can take of, of the reality around them in, in a way. So no, no, I you're right. To, I used to feel judged when people you know, think of me as like, oh, she's just like, like you said, like the pretty brunette. But now I'm like, I know better to not take it personal because it's like everybody's going through so much. So if they don't want to see it, it's all good, you know? Yeah, you're like, whatever. 
whatever kind of like you know at least with the people that I don't know personally I'm like what can I do you know yeah you can only do so much this is true and also I saw this quote the other day where it said someone can only meet you at the level they've met themselves exactly like I was saying if they don't know that whoa you know right yeah yeah if they don't know their own pain how will they acknowledge your pain and it's they probably can't they can't they they emotionally like cannot take it and I think that's a, a thing in relationships where like, we expect our partners to understand how we feel, why we need this or that, or we want to change something about the relationship. But if they don't see it, like, like you were saying, they can only meet you where they're at. And if that's where they can meet you and you're a, a bit further ahead, it's like, what are you going to do? Like either you go to them or you just keep going, you know? And I, a lot of, a lot of the times I feel like I feel that way in, in relationships where I just have to keep going and I can't keep going back and be like, okay, like, here's where I am. Like, come check it out. And they go, oh yeah, yeah. But I'm going to go back to my spot and like, okay, well then I guess I'll see you. You know, I, I think, what do you mean by that? Like that I, wait, someone can't like someone can't, I think it's a, it was a metaphor, but I'm saying, no, but I think that that's a good one where it's like, you can't, or if you've been in a relationship or even friendship, right? Like you, and you're like, oh, this is only as far as this is going to go. I think people decide to, to box things. They, they, they feel that happen or, you know, to them. And if that's what they decided, you can't change that. You know, they're just, that's true. So, so I think I always like to, I, I'm, I'm really, I like to provoke, you know, my, my people around me and be like, but what about this? What about that? I, I usually, like, I, I, I'm really, I like to doubt myself, not in a negative way, like in a way, like where, where can I improve here? What can I do to grow? And people don't like that kind of like challenging mode, you know? And I think, so I know when to turn it on and when to like turn it off. So. So you had spoken out, there was an article I read where you, you talked about how you used to have like debilitating anxiety mm-hmm. and you did the, is it EMDR? EMDR, yes. Okay. So for people that do not know what that is, can you tell us about it? Yes. EMDR is a form of hypnotic psychotherapy that helps people relive their traumas, whatever, you know, trauma they're dealing with and reprocess the memories of that trauma. And it's something that I didn't know that that yeah. I knew it was therapy with like your eye movement or whatever, but I didn't know yeah, it was with the- a finger or the tapping, which can be on your shoulders on your, oh, okay. uh, on your, do I do it? Like I do it like this now through Skype or if it's in person, person she'll do the eye movement thing and that's the the one that works the best you have to be in person though because of covid and my therapist is in back in um italy i do it through skype but i've been doing it for so many years that i know wow. how to do it on myself now and it definitely like helped me so much i used to have panic attacks and just like dealing with eating disorders and I can't really explain how exactly, because I'm not a, a doctor or a therapist, but I know that the first time I did it, it gave me such a headache because it's supposed to make your um, brain, like, what are they called? Like the, um, the hemispheres communicate and reprocess memories in a way that it's supposed to be healthier. So okay. when you go through something traumatic, it's almost like your brain doesn't want to remember it. But when something similar to that happens later on in life, it gets triggered. And so that's where the anxiety comes from. Yeah, so no, supposed that to makes like, sense. Yeah, treat the, so you recognize you're having a triggering moment because of what's happening later on as an adult. But so with the EMDR, you work on the memory as a kid to reprocess it and be like, that's what happened and that's why it happened. But now I'm an adult. And if something like that happens to me now, I can 
you know, uh, handle it differently, blah, blah, blah. So it's very, very therapeutical. And it just, it was great. And I actually, a, a few people that I know tried it because I told them and it really helped them a lot. Someone, I forget, yeah. maybe it was someone back East who they were telling me that that really, they had tried a lot of different things and that really worked the best. Had you tried other, I, I have the actual name of it written down. Eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing therapy. And the girl, the the woman that, that you know, created this technique or came up with it is from California. So my therapist in Milan came to California years ago to get a, cause you have to be trained for, do you have to get a license? The person that developed it is in California. Yeah. Could you take us through like what the first time doing it? I'm just, yeah. Okay. The first time I did EMDR, I had a massive headache because it's supposed to like make your right and left hemisphere communicate and neurotransmitters uh, kind of like correct reprocess the memory so what you do you pick 10 moments of your life that were particularly traumatic or if you think about your trauma i'm I'm having anxiety and there you go i was it took me like eight months of regular therapy to get to be ready to want to do emdr well that's important to tell people don't just maybe don't just jump right in or it could maybe be it was very intense. And, and I did go to therapy for eight months before it. Again, each therapist will recommend you differently or be- based on your own experience. But so they make you pick 10 different moments of your life where you felt like out of control or like moments that are still, if you think about them, they'll be like, so what's the, the how bad does it make you feel from one to 10? And if it's like over eight, then, you know, it's something you need to work on type of thing. And uh, so you go through like, hate when someone says one to 10. Do you hate it? I don't actually, cause it's helpful for me because I I'm like, it's 500,000 and like, or like, I don't know. I find it very hard to do that, but some people like it. So that's, I'm so good at like, if you ask me now, what about this one to 10? Oh, five. Oh, like seven. Like I'm so, I don't know how it works for me. Like I'm emotions and stuff. Yeah. I think because of acting, like I have this thing, like I used to work with this coach. So I'd be like, okay, how are we feeling here? Like sad, but like one to 10, how, like, you know, like how sad. Okay. So I feel That's like cool. it makes sense. But so the more triggering, the better meaning for, for the, for EMDR, meaning like you have to work on it. And then, so each time you start with a different memory, but each session can take longer than just a sit. Like, um, it can go like you, ha- you might have to split a session into like four, you know, therapy, uh, like for one memory, each memory for therapy sessions, maybe like each memory oh. can last longer. You, you don't know until you get, you know, you get in, into the, the session and she'll ask you questions throughout the whole thing. And she will just do the eye thing. And so you follow it and you start feeling like, like sort of like this or no. kind of, you, yeah, you feel you're present, but you feel like your body is doing stuff that you're not fully feeling in the moment. Like, it's like, why is this happening? I'm, I'm just sitting here right now. So it's like going back to how it felt when that thing happened. Let's say you had a really terrible car accident and you broke your arm. Probably your arm will feel weird when you do the, you know, EMDR on that. It'll feel like maybe tingly or like pressure or, you know, something's touching you type of thing. So you feel things around your body and the parts that were like involved in the original trauma and and, uh, you know, with moments that were triggering around that trauma. So it's very intense. Wow. It's interesting, actually. And then the more you do it, 
the less you feel because the levels of, you know, will have gone down by that time. Like meaning like from one to 10 and you want to always end at like, oh, two or three or four or like max. But like you want to be like, I started feeling like eight about this and now I feel like three, you know, and so then. God, you're all about the numbers. Well, that's how they make that's how it works. But Ooh, I'm not I don't like know I, if I could do this then. I may be like minus zero. I'm sure you could. You mean they do it that you you have to say a number. After she's decided the session's over, she'll go like, okay, how do you feel about this from one to ten now? And so you rethink about it and it's like, you know what? I feel better about it. So you pick a number, but you could also just say, I don't know yet, you know, and then maybe you'll work on it a little bit longer. And that it's eight or 10, 10, 10 moments in your life, right? At least that's how we started. And then, you know, after you cover these main moments, then you can decide to work on other ones, you know, like, or just however, there's no like specific rules on how many years you're supposed to do it for, because I see everything subjective. And like, if you just feel like you're done with it, you're done with it. But like, and now that I've done it for so many, for, for so long, we do it when I, when we feel like we need to like, yeah, look like into something. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going through those eight, let's just say triggering moments or eight kind of life defining moments or tragedies, however, yeah. however you want to say or define them. How did that affect then your daily anxiety? I was able to like really work on my panic attacks to a point where I I haven't had one since I was 23. Wow. So like I legit like killed it. Like I I just, they went away, you know? It's not like they'll come back here and there. Maybe let's say for the first, the five years after I stopped doing EMDR, I, I took a break, okay? And so those five years, I was like going through life, trying to go through life without, you know, doing EMDR without going to therapy because I just wanted to test it out and be like, okay, now I'm going to go in the world and do and see what I've learned, you know, kind of yeah. like see if it worked. Yeah. And maybe I had moments where everyday life. Yeah. And maybe there were moments where I felt like, oh, I have a little bit of anxiety, but it was never to a point where I couldn't like leave the house where, which is what used to happen. So you used to have such debilitating anxiety. You couldn't leave the house. Oh Yeah. Wow. Especially for well, me. So, but I think so many people, so many people, I mean, do. the anxiety is through the roof, especially with the younger, yeah, especially girls. And so this is interesting. And I think really important for people to hear that there's other tools and doesn't mean don't take a prescription or don't go to therapy, but maybe this can, you can compound this with your other therapy, or maybe this will be the breakthrough for someone. Cause so tell, can, do you mind sharing what that would be like? Like what it felt like when you would have yeah. anxiety attack yeah. if someone so else is going through Basically, that? I remember I was, I don't know, 17 and I was invited to a birthday party that included like maybe going to someone's house where you, you know, have like eat or drink or whatever, maybe like at a restaurant. And somehow for me, the idea of eating in front of people was traumatic. <laughs> I couldn't do it. And I would just get so nauseous that I made myself like not feeling good so that I had to stay home or I would go and be triggered during the, you know, the party and couldn't eat anything or couldn't drink anything, couldn't like swallow almost so that I couldn't even like breathe or like talk to people. So I had to leave. So I'd rather just, so my, my technique was like, okay, let's just make myself feel sick before I even have to go. So I don't have to go. Right. Men- well, mentally. That makes sense. That's like you kind of protecting yourself. Yeah. So there was a lot of that. And uh, social settings were so scary. It's funny because now 
I am so social and so friendly and always with people. I used to be so scared of talking to people that I didn't know and so shy and so awkward. And I really told myself when I went to college, you're going to pick a job that's going to make you be the most social bitch that's ever existed, because that's going to be the if you have to do it for work, you're going to do it. So I basically was my own mother telling me like, go do it. Let's do it. I was just That's so funny. Is no, that, that when you decided my... to, to really pursue acting or was it before yeah, acting, social media, modeling, everything, everything I was like, I have to be this thing because I'm going to beat all these like shitty things that I've been going through that made me like not who I'm meant to be. And I think having that motivation of like, I have to do it because it's my career made. It's like, I tricked myself to do it for something that was bigger than just you know, yeah, it's interesting. Like for me, it's like, I need accountability. Like if someone's mm -hmm. like, this has to be done by nine, I'll be like, you know, like, I'll be like, I'll get it done. You know how I lost so much weight during those years because I just couldn't eat with uh, around people. Yeah. I just couldn't. Like, and I, people would think from your childhood or something at the dinner table or. Yeah, I had, I've always had issues with food. My mom will like oh, always say, and I just didn't feel comfortable eating uh, like with other people. I don't know why. Like now you saw me, I ate so much last week. I'm fine now, but even going to school sometimes is hard. Not because I was a bad student. I was a really good student, but I just didn't like to be around a lot of people and just have them study me or like it was, I didn't want to be like, look, at or like watched like while I was just like doing things that I just would rather do by myself. It's weird. Right. But yeah, I always thought living with your parents is like having roommates. Like who are these people? Like I didn't really choose them. Like I did, but like meaning like they're my parents. But like if you think about it, you're like sharing your space with people that don't always make you feel the best or, you know, parents. Everybody yeah, has a story. Course, everyone, with their everyone's family, family triggers. Yeah. So to me, I was like, I wish I could do this, but I can't because so and so and so. So I feel like my when I was a teenager, I just wanted to have the life I have now. I'd be like when I live by myself and I have a job and I do it and I don't have to like tell anyone what I'm doing and why I'm doing it because I can do it. So I've always had this like sense of like, you know, being super independent and just really like uh, own my choices, which I do now. So it's so that's so you now own with the with the MDR, you now only have to do like kind of a I don't know what you would call it, like a yeah, like a maintenance refresh. basically, right? Okay. Yeah, like a refresh. Yeah, yeah. So we do it when we feel like we are, let's say I went on a bad date and something happened, something came up. Oh, but that's how I used to feel when so and so used to happen. So we go back and look into why I felt that way, like the other night with this guy, for example. So it's always like if it's brought up by situations that are happening right now where, you know, they're bringing up like things from the past. But you had a bad day. I go, I go, <laughs> I go I wanna, on so I, many. That's why I want to, I want to, I want to hear about the bad day. I go on so many bad dates, but then there's disappointment, you know, along the way. That's but, okay though. Dating is a whole other topic in LA. <laughs> yeah. and that and then that's that that's very that's hard it's very hard so that so sometimes a date probably a job a time out with someone can trigger something and you got to kind of clear yeah. it yeah correct did you take prescription medicine before or ever have you or that just didn't help you you didn't want to do that what, so what, i know so many people want to just which is not bad. I, I, uh, cause I mean, I wouldn't be alive without prescription drugs, honestly. So, but I know a lot of people don't want to use that. It, it can be tricky with anxiety because mm -hmm. you could be having an anxiety all day, right. An anxiety attack for like 10 hours. So yeah. the medicine could just keep 
I think, piling on. I never took anything. But when I was 17 and I was silly enough to tell my parents, yo, I feel like shit. I need help. And they were like, okay. So they took me to the doctor, like the the family doctor, and he gave us Valium. And I am like, wait, wait, like, not- was this in Italy or is this? Yeah. I think I was actually just 18 or something. And I'm like, bitch, I'm not taking this shit. I need to go see a therapist. And so, cause my best friend in high school. Well, that's like most children's dreams. They'd be like, thanks. I'm like, down with But that's what they wanted me to do. Yeah. No, I don't know if it was Valium or. You might never gone to therapy. No, that was before going to therapy. Okay. But I was about to set it up because I'm like, I'm, I feel so shitty. I need to do something about it. But so my best friend in high school, her mom was a, is a psychiatrist. And mm-hmm. so I went to their house and like people, I need help. I feel like shit. And so they that found me a very intuitive teenager because most people wouldn't, I think, even like recognize that. I was 17 and my anxiety was so bad that I told my mom, I need a team that can work with me to make me like overcome wow. the shit because I'm overwhelmed as fuck. And she would make fun of me. Not like make fun of me. She like a team. I'm like, yes, like a team, like people that I can call when I'm having these moments because I feel like I can't like function. I'm not going to make it tomorrow. Like that's how I feel. That's how bad I feel. And so I went to my friend's house and uh, her mom, you know, recommended a, a therapist, one of her colleagues. And I, that's how I started, you know, going to therapy. Oh, that's and great. So I, I I brought the volume, the little bottle, and I said, I'm not taking this. So you better help me because I'm not taking this. Well, it's kind of, a, I mean, volume. Well, first of all, volume. I mean, by the way, I have volume and I, I take it if I need it, but volume is, is highly addictive. So uh, just for anyone listening, and also it is really more of a Band-Aid for anxiety. Yeah. In no, the long I was, it, it's not like I didn't want to take it. I just was, I felt like they didn't see me. They were like, I felt like, how, like, how, what do you know about me? Like, this is, it, it felt too simple to like, you know, I just knew I needed someone that could like really like, like work with me and on me. And, and that wasn't just a, a regular doctor, but I knew that my, my parents wanted me to take it because that was easier for them. Right. Or like, sometimes I think it, and it may have been, but also sometimes I think parents and different generations, they, they just want to help. Right. They, they, they yeah. see their daughter in pain and it's like, we have to fix it now. You know what I mean? Like they, the intentions are probably good. They yeah, just, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. They just may not have been the way you want it to go. Correct. Taking me a lot of therapy to be able to say that, but like, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just, everyone is different in what, where they're coming from their own background. Like, you know, what can we do to help? So then yeah. that, so then you started therapy at 17. At 17, but the therapist I had at that time was older and she'd fall asleep during our session. No, this is like the worst. She'd Please, be like, everyone listen, this is not most. At some point she'd be like, <laughs> no, she was, she was almost what? 70. She was older, too old. I know, that's tired. not even that old. Like she should not be falling asleep. Well, listen, so then I tried another one and then I, after, so I had to try two different therapists until I found my one and only. I mean, that's pretty good. Like it took me like seven, eight therapists. So I found someone that was, oh, wow. like, yeah, it can take people. I think that's good to know. I always say that it can, can yeah. be like dating, like it takes a long or like one therapist may be good for one thing and one mm-hmm. may be good for something else. Like I know people, some people have like two therapists. Yeah. Like, 
It's like, yeah, that's why I was saying I need a team, you guys. And they were like a team. And I'm like, yes, a team of people that know different things. Yeah, that's really cool, though, that you were able to say, like, I don't want volume and that you learned this skill. I intuitively I knew to not take it. And my my friend's mom told me, you know what? I, I must say your level of, of awareness is so high. like you're actually really smart and that's going to save you because kids that go through this kind of shit at your age, they don't know what's happening to them. And they're like that. So when they get like older, like they, it's hard to like, if you're, your level of awareness is very high. So you're lucky. And I'm like, Oh, great. So she did tell me that. I think it's a catch 22 though, when you're like that smart, because it's like, you can like overthink and over talk to yourself about everything, but also, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're also very smart. So you get it. It's like what we said at the beginning of the episode, like people can only meet you as deep as they've met themselves. And there's so many people that are like swimming above the water. Like they don't even know. But it's like, it's not like it was easy for me. I was in of course not. hell, but I didn't yeah. think that it was an option not to do the work. That's the funny part. I never thought that it wasn't the one and only option. And it's crazy because we do have options. To just- but you were always, it seems like you've always been a hard worker. You were saying you did well in school. And, yeah. You know. So for me, when I was 12, I, I, I wrote a letter and I gave it to my mom and I, and I was writing something like, uh, you know, as, as human beings on this planet, we're meant to be excellent in everything we do. So like, we need to work the hardest for everything. And I'm like, she goes, what are you telling me? I'm like, just be the best at, at every time, all, all, all the time, you know, just let's do that together. <laughs> and my mom was like, this is weird. And I'm like, no, but like, <laughs> my mom always thought I was this weird. That is so funny. Kid. But so I, I think it stems from that thought of like, we got to like try to be as good as we can here, you know, because we only have one shot or so we think we do. I don't know. So, okay. So we always kind of, close with these five questions are you ready yes you don't don't win anything i hope i am (laughs) what do you do for a mental break like if you just want to kind of turn the mind off that's kind of how it is for a mental break i will lay on the floor legit and just with my arms out and meditate either with an app or just by myself or music for about 10 minutes and I used to do that as a kid in the bathroom on the mar- on a marble marble well, floor. Well, it's cooling, you know. Yeah, like- it was cooling. It was so ref- it was just really good, and I still do it. And I think whenever I'm stressed, I just need to lay down on the floor. Well, they say also like I learned this in CBD therapy. Like if you're having really bad anxiety and you run your hands under like ice cold water, yeah, like it has to be ice, ice cold. Like yes, it'd be great if you could like get in the shower, but not everyone has. Oh, let me just jump in the shower as I'm like made up, ready to go to work. But because it, uh, it kind of, I don't know, doing things with your hands, it takes your mind out of it. So it mm-hmm. makes sense the cold floor. Yeah. But any, I love yeah, with your lying just on a hard floor because it it sort of grounds you into the earth. Yeah. I love love doing that. When is the last time you cried? I mean, I cry weekly. By the way, I cry literally every day. So when I ask people this and they're like, "Mm, five months ago, like I'm like, what? So no, I don't remember exactly what day, but probably last week. It's what today is Wednesday. Yeah, probably last week or weekend this last weekend. You remember what was it? What what was was it about? Yeah, you don't have to share it. About a person that I still think about. One of the one of the soccer players. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
it is not one of the soccer players, okay. but <laughs> oh, like a past romantic, person. romantic okay. thing. Yeah. All right. All right. That's that's normal. Were you listening to a song? I feel like music is very. Yeah, I could see that with you. Okay. <laughs> no, like I can't. Yeah. Where, where was I today? And I was like, can someone please change the music in here? Like I'm literally going to start crying. They're playing uh, yeah. like Adele or I don't. I, I, I was I'm just very like, like sensitive to music as yes. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was like this. I was like, I need to get out of here. What are you currently reading? Well, you're a big reader, so you're probably reading like multiple things. I'm reading Emrata's book, actually, uh, Body, but I also, my body, I think, or my, yeah, my body. Someone just recommended this book that I'm going to actually buy the audio version tonight. It's called Choke, and it's about slaw meetings. You know, like uh, Sex and Love Addicts, Anonymous Meetings. Wait, is it, you know, there was a film called Choke. Is it the, I wonder if it's based on that book. I'm not is it sure. like a bio, is it a biography? I don't think so. I'll send it to you though. So I'm going to read that. And then every day, or I mean, every other day I'll play like this. Um, I love audiobooks. So I've been reading forever, but it's always so helpful. This book by David Lynch, it's his meditation book, oh, the, uh, Catching the, the Big Fish. Yeah. What's so it just, again? Catching the big fish. Okay. And by that, he means like intuition, you know, ideas, like, you know, the, the idea of a fish is like catching the best idea for me to, to make movies. That's what he means yeah, for, yeah. for oh, him. Cool. But it's like so poetic and like the way, and he's reading it. So I'll play it like, you know, here and there. And um, so that's an ongoing thing that I play and read all the time. But yeah, Emily's book right now, it's really good. And she, I love the audiobook version of books because I like to hear the voice. It's it's kind of cool. It's nice if the actual author is doing it. Yeah, yeah. And they, in this case, they both are. People are. Or yeah. or I would want like Morgan Freeman to be. Reading. I know. I like. I would just love Morgan Freeman to like just just like narrate my life. Be like, and now it's time for bed. You know, like that. <laughs> Does he do? Wait, is he on the on the Calm app? No. Does he do? I think it's not the Calm, but he did. He did something, right? Yeah. He he does every opening of like any Dave Chappelle special. It's like so funny. It'll be like him and he has a great voice. Yeah, it's the best. Okay, what is the best and worst advice you've been given? The best is when people show you who they are, believe it, believe them. Meaning like, yes, don't listen to what they say they are or they're gonna do. Just look at what they're doing to show you who they are not their description of who they are and the worst kind of advice is like things just will happen things will just happen it's like the fuck is that thing things won't just happen it's like like, Like it'll just happen happen. it'll just happen and it's like what like if you like think about life that way then everything will just happen in a way that it's like but i mean like you have to leave your house. Like, like, you know what I mean? Correct. Like, yeah. Someone was like, cause I majored in philosophy and I was so like, um, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So I was so like interested in like literature and writing and reading. And this person was like, Oh my God, you're never going to have a job. <laughs> and I was like, so rude. <laughs> Just because I'm not trying to be a doctor or a lawyer and I'm going to school for it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have a job. That was very misleading and confusing, but I knew in my heart that it wasn't true. It's just the person projecting their fear, you know. That person sounds like an idiot. Okay, and uh, what Instagram account do you find uplifting, if any? Yes, so I love my friend uh, Jay Shetty's Instagram and podcast, and he's amazing. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode and a huge shout out to Marta Pazan 
for joining me. We're so thrilled to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, where can our listeners find you? They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Marta Pazan, and uh, they can follow my podcast. It's called uh, Cosmic Days on Apple Music, Spotify. And uh, I think that's all. All right. Awesome. That's all, folks. Be sure to subscribe to Ben Better HBU. We can be found on Apple and Spotify and tune in next time. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and or comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.